0: The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to real is a new
1: way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist.
0: You're listening to the Occulture Shock Podcast with your host Dave Oscuro.
1: How's it going, everyone? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Occulture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave. Today, my guest is Dustin from the band The Man from Alphabet. Man from Alphabet is one of Dustin's solo projects, and they just recently released a new uh, song, a cover song of the Dickies theme from Killer Clowns from Outer Space, along with an accompanying music video. Uh, We touched on the making of both the song, the inspiration behind it, and the music video itself, and how there are parallels there between making that music video and some of my early film work when I was doing like 24-hour film fest. Uh, Dustin and I also talk about veganism, and I'm shocked that as a vegan, I've gone this long uh, doing this many episodes of the podcast and not talked about it, but I thought we touched on some really interesting topics as it relates to that and sort of the right ways to approach talking about veganism, especially the... To those people who who may not, or or who may be reluctant to uh, try that lifestyle and and diet, so I really enjoyed the podcast. I love hanging out with Dustin, and uh, I I think that he's just a fantastically talented musician. As you'll hear, he's got some really cool influences as it relates to music, and um and and his band, The Man from Alphabet, just released a super killer track and music video. And I uh, urge you all to check it out. It's super cool. And and actually, at the end of this podcast, I will play a little snippet from their cover song. So at the very end, after my outro, you can hear a little bit of the man from Alphabet. So without further ado, my guest today, Dustin from the man from Alphabet. I, I, when, the, when this podcast airs, it will be just a couple of days from your birthday. So happy mm. birthday to you.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that.
1: It was was part of you doing the music video, like the, the cover of the the theme from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Was that like a, I mean, aside from it being sort of a way to kick off spooky season, was that somewhat tied to your birthday? Was it like a treat to yourself, or <laughs> what was the what was the origin for that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it w- it was kind of a lot of things actually. It was like this is something I've wanted to do for so many years, and so I I, I just kind of figured like. I need to set a goal and a deadline instead of just being like, Oh, someday that would be cool. And you know, then I sort of did kind of like you said, I sort of pieced together like, Whoa, this would actually be so perfect to release on my birthday because, you know, typically I might be able to like post something and be like, Hey, it's my birthday. Check out what I did, you know, Mm -hmm. but also just that, that it ties into Halloween season because this, you know, last year, I listened to Halloween play playlists all through October. So I was like, man, it'd be so cool to actually be on one of these, you know, I've been playing music for like 25 years and I love Halloween and I love music. So like I should, I should write some stuff that would, could go there, you know?
1: Yeah, that's so awesome too. And so and so like if you if for anyone who has visited your uh was it GoFundMe was that or is it Kickstarter that you used? Uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah, so if anyone has visited your Kickstarter uh video, you'll you talk a little bit about Killer Clowns and what it meant to you and sort of the and sort of how you came to discover them, but just for those who haven't like recap mm-hmm. how you came across this really seminal and weird and amazing horror flick.
0: Yeah, so to to the best of my recollection um i was kind of just like channel surfing when i was a little kid i was probably i don't know 6 or something like that cuz i think that movie mm-hmm. came out direct to cable and direct to vhs in 1988 um mm-hmm. which i would have been about 6 <clears throat> so i came across the scene uh where the clown slim is making shadow puppets and then he, mm-hmm. one of and then the shadows turns into like kind of like a T-Rex looking monster and eats all these people. And I just remember being absolutely terrified by it. Like it was so scary to me. And, and I remember it kind of like haunting me for a while. And then, um, you know, I didn't know what that movie was. And when I asked people about it, you know, kind of throughout my life, like no one seemed to have any idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and then when I was in high school, probably around 18 years old, 17 or 18 um i worked at hollywood video which i'm sure some people remember but it's basically a video yep, rental remember. store <laughs> yeah.
1: it was it was like the uh the pepsi to blockbusters coke
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a great way to put it <laughs> except they made us wear like these like fake ass tuxedos that- they're oh, like we had to wear those. yeah we had, we had to wear like a bow tie and this like uh yeah tuxedo shirt and these vest with like a million colors on it kind of to look like ushers at a movie theater i think that was their idea uh, um, okay I, I get the gimmick yeah <laughs> so anyway uh you know i was telling one of my co-workers about that movie and he knew exactly what i was talking about he's like that's killer clowns from outer space and i was like Okay, sweet. Where is it? I want to go rent it right now. He's like, "Yeah, we don't, we don't have it." <laughs> like that's that movie was at least at that time was way too obscure. Um, you know, because this would have been like about mm, probably two thousand ninety nine, two thousand something like that. So anyway, right. so that was just too obscure uh, of a title for us to have. So I special ordered it on VHS tape and got it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this movie is awesome." <laughs>
1: It's, you know, it's, it's so strange. It's, it's just, and it's a good combination of uh, obviously the makeup or the, the mask effects, the makeup effects yeah. are obviously very cool. But, but like the scene that you first came across the shadow puppet scene, we've obviously seen animation in movies before and, you know, various things, but, it, but that was, that's like an iconic scene for you to stumble upon of like all the scenes of the <laughs> yeah. movie that you could have found, right? That's the one that's like this really cool hybrid of, not only the cool practical effects but this this sort of stop motiony mm-hmm. animation thing that's happening in the background that's it's a that's a cool idea that you've not really seen since then
0: yeah i mean not really it's like i that's a, i think that's what i you know there's a lot of things I really like about that movie but i, I feel like a lot of it is just uh is is it, it's the whole movie is just like one practical effect gag after another and yeah Um, I really appreciate that and I kind of like you know that the the movie just sort of hits a sweet spot for me because I like things that are like spooky and kind of weird and stuff but I'm also just like a really silly comedic person you know like you know Weird (laughs) Al is one of my favorite artists of all time
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah that gives you an idea of like my sense of humor is just like pure silliness so that movie just sort of is like oh it's dark and creepy and kind of scary but it's also just like wacky
1: <laughs> yeah and i i feel like we what i call weird horror is um is starting to make a little bit of a comeback in some ways like if you if you think of a movie like mandy it's different tonally but equally mm. awkward and weird and bizarre and i and i and like or like tusk which would be maybe a little bit more close in some ways to the to the tone of killer clowns and that it's very bombastic and strange, not afraid to go probably beyond the limits of yeah. scariness. You know, but that in ridiculous. itself Yeah, exactly. But that in itself kind of makes it scary.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, I actually haven't seen either of those movies. Oh, you
1: you definitely should. I mean it's <laughs> I
0: just about to, I've got like a pen and paper. I was like, maybe I should just write those down. Mandy and what was the other one?
1: Uh Tusk.
0: T- oh, I've heard of that. I've heard of that one. That's Kevin Smith, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's why I know it from. I've, I've, I've like, got, I mean, I'm a Kevin Smith fan and I've, you know, been on his IMDb a million times. Yeah. That's where yeah. I know that one from.
1: No, it's, oh, it's cool. great. Cause it, it's such a weird story that basically they were doing a pot, him and his, his podcasting partner were doing a podcast Hi, and they came across <laughs> some sort of Craigslist article or, or some Canadian version of Craigslist talking about a uh, room for rent in a house. And the only condition was that you had to dress up like a walrus for this for this what? older guy. This yeah. was real? I think it was real, yeah, if I remember correctly. Uh oh or you look, I don't know let me put it this way, I don't know if it was real, but the art the listing was real. Whether mm-hmm. or not it was meant to be a gag or or whatever, or just some right. weird kink, I don't know. But as you can imagine, in their in their inebriated state, they found this just to be super hilarious and they started riffing, and they got this idea for this horror movie that was sort of centered around this ad. And they put it to a vote for their listeners, like, and and they said, go on Twitter, and and hashtag yes walrus or no walrus, and <laughs> and if enough people vote yes walrus, we'll make this weird movie. Oh and, my
0: god! That's and great. people did, and they
1: and they made this this very bizarre, uh, flick with a, a weird combination of humor and um and practical effects, which to me, wow. again, slightly tonally different than than uh, Killer Clowns, but but in if there was a section at a movie store at a Hollywood rental, they they would be in the same weird, yeah, weird they'd horror. Be in the same spot. <laughs> oh yeah, my god. Exactly. Okay,
0: I actually have like a list of um uh, of movies to watch. Like in October, I always like to just yeah. watch spooky spooky movies. I'm like more of like a spooky silly kind of horror movie than I am like a slasher mm-hmm. like stuff. Yeah, you know, like I I'm really into like stuff like like Beetlejuice and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Maybe
1: more Tim Burton.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff that's more like spooky than it is terrifying, if that makes sense.
1: Not, it makes perfect I, sense.
0: I do enjoy the other ones, but I can't like, I can't watch the other stuff by myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I it's funny because I I really appreciate good gore effects, um, but I don't like gore porn. Like I'm not right. I'm not like a host I'm not in a hostel or a human centipede or those kind of more grotesque. About as far
0: like the torture the, stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this, I never got into the Saw movies. Like those, I mean, I know a lot of people really love them, and and uh, you know, God bless them. But I, I like <laughs> practical effects, like in the sense of like the thing, you mm-hmm. know, or, um, or even if we're looking for like a a, a silly horror movie, uh, I I didn't love it the first time I watched it, but since I've seen it and I've rewatched it, I've really grown to like Tim Burton's Dark Shadow movie. It's oh, very. I never silly. saw
0: that actually. Yeah. So,
1: so were you a fan of the original series? I never saw that either. <laughs> okay, so the original series—I got some homework. Is like, yeah, yeah, okay. this is a good thing. I'm, right, this. I'm
0: literally writing this down. Dark shadows. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: so watch Dark Shadows, both the Tim Burton movie and the the series is long running. So it was basically a horror soap opera. So oh, it was a so okay. it was like formatted like a soap opera, but black and white for most of its run, and it centered around a vampire who who comes back into the 70s and and he he is interacting with his relatives his his ancestors right in the modern era and at some point they introduce witches and they introduce werewolves and but the original series was incredibly low budget like almost yeah. ed woody and low budget and so, so it what was, era is the original series from? I think it came out in the '70s or late '60s, oh, perhaps. Okay,
0: cool, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So right around that time, that like Adam's family and um, the Munsters, that. and kind of in that realm. And so, but this was really low budget, and um, and it was obviously like a soap opera, so they're really only like in three rooms <clears throat> at any given time. So it's kind of unintentionally funny like you'll mm-hmm. have moments where there'll be a boom in the shot, you know, on oh, the series. Oh man.
0: But they're like, yeah, we don't have time to cut that out.
1: We, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so when so when Tim Burton remade it, uh he re- he leaned very heavily into that silliness and like that um fish out of water sort of thing that he does so well. It's fun. It's if you go into it expecting like Sleepy, horror, uh, sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. it's not quite so serious, but if you're if you're going in there looking for more fun like like spooky comedy. Like it's great. It's a great flick to watch.
0: Oh, cool. I, I'm, I've added that to my list. I'm definitely going to check that out. And I mean, like, we also know like Tim Burton is a big uh, Ed Wood fan because he made that movie about him. Right. Didn't Tim Burton make that movie?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ed Wood. Yeah. yeah, Which is also great. Yeah. So, so when, when you, so you make this decision to do this music video and to cover this song, Mm -hmm. like, and you give yourself a deadline. You're like, okay, I got to do it now because it's public. So people are going to expect it from me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of turned the pressure
1: on because I was like, man, now I'm like accountable. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long did you have to, to, from the moment you just, you decided, okay, publicly, I'm going to state that this thing is going to happen until, uh, it just came out. Mm-hmm. So like, like two days ago, I guess when this podcast comes out ago, maybe like five days prior, mm-hmm. um, what was that? What was your, what was like, did you jump straight to the studio? I mean, not like you said, you've been a musician for what, 20 years, 25 years?
0: Yeah, about 20. Let's see. I started playing bass in 1997. So yeah, 24 years.
1: Right. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're a professional musician in every sense of the word. Do um, <laughs> well, you, thanks. yeah. I mean, you're, you're extraordinarily talented as someone who played bass. Um, poorly (laughs) in in like, in like the Jerry, I went to the Jerry only school of bass playing, you know what I'm saying? Where like I played two notes. (laughs) I'm really impressed by your work. Your, your music is fantastic. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. Of course. Uh, so, so did you like gather your friends up? Are you actively in a band right now? I know you, you do a lot of session work, but like, because I know these things about you, but like for everyone else, like (laughs) what was, what was that process? Like, how did you say, okay, it's, it's public. Now I got to go actually do it.
0: Yeah. So, I basically made the decision to start pursuing this back in June and step one was, was, uh, getting, um, the musicians on board, which was, uh, Kyle Abbott on drums, John Klaus on guitar and, um, Patrick Houston on vocals. So just kind of getting those guys, hitting them up, seeing if they're interested in it. And they were all like totally down and (laughs) stuff, which was just super cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was step one. And I, I actually didn't think I was going to launch a Kickstarter until I kind of started adding up all my costs. And I was like, Whew, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> yeah, this is, this, you know, some, and I'm like, well, you know, and I kind of bounce the idea off people. Cause I, I, I do feel kind of uncomfortable like asking for money, you know? So I was sure like, do I really want to do a Kickstarter thing, but I was just like, you know what? Plenty of people, do these things and uh pl- plenty of people who have uh are already successful and stuff and i'm like well you know i i guess there's no harm in doing it and people are only going to give money to it if it's something that they're interested in so you know yeah so and- i decided and- to launch it like several months into the process like I so i actually would, probably should have started it way earlier <laughs> the the kickstarter part so uh so yeah i launched it like a little late so yeah
1: well it's it's funny because it, it there is that natural feeling of being uncomfortable asking for something as as though you're asking a favor but i always look at it this way uh and i i'm actually i feel like for as many projects that have come from kickstarter and gofundmes and uh, indiegogo and all those things mm mm-hmm. I still feel like it's never quite met its potential because when you think about it all almost all art that you can consume is either completely out of pocket or you've had to ask mm-hmm. someone for money, right? But but it, maybe it's a record label or maybe it's a investor or maybe it's right? There's a, there's the business component of it, but in the end, and I said this, I think uh, I think I said this last podcast. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm sort of paraphrasing a quote from Johnny Depp, but like the studios and the record labels and 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 the business folks, they're they're not the boss, right? The people are the boss. Mm-hmm. People who who buy and consume. That's the reason I make films. You make mu- music. People do podcasts. All that stuff. So so I feel like kind of cutting out that middleman, especially for a one-off. Uh, yeah. Is, <laughs> Is kind of the maybe it's the way to go, right? Like it's like if if you put out a project that people are going to get into and enjoy, and you give them three and a half minutes of of entertainment and pleasure, um, I think it's perfectly acceptable to just say like, "Hey, if this is something that you will enjoy, I'll pass around the cap, so to speak, yeah, and, and if you toss in whatever in. you've got."
0: Yeah, like if you believe in this vision that I have, and and you know the the team I've assembled and stuff to, yeah. to put it together, I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm I, I I work hard on things, especially with music, you know, and so like I I think that over the years I do have uh, I like to think I have a decent reputation with it that I'm not gonna put something else that's super half-assed or anything either. Right. So
1: right, you and know, that's, a, um, that's 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 the other thing you you've got goodwill built up.
0: Yeah, I, I like to think so. Thank you.
1: So so we like how long did it take to record the song? Were you all able to knock it out? Like in a day, a week? Like how long did it take to get in the studio and and jam this out?
0: Yeah, so this was a this is a pretty fascinating process, the recording, because um <clears throat> so I Patrick and I both live in LA hundred mm-hmm. percent. Kyle splits his time between LA and Hawaii. and on drums. Yeah. (laughs) And John lives in Omaha, Nebraska is in the process of moving to Connecticut. So he's kind of bouncing between both of those places. So, um, the way the recording process worked is, uh, Kyle and I, Kyle's Kyle is an engineer, a sound engineer too. Um, so we, we demoed the drums and the bass together, Mm -hmm. uh, sent it off to John and while John was tracking some stuff for our other band Pariah, he uh he just he laid down some demo versions and uh sent that over to Patrick so he could kind of study it and be ready. And uh mm-hmm. and then you know we we kind of uh chatted on the phone. He gave a few suggestions and creative suggestions and stuff like, you know, we we really tried to stay like very true to this song, but still, you know, give it a little bit of our own flavor um yeah. you know so he suggested like you know we should have sort of a in the outro we should have like a kind of a halftime not not quite like a hardcore metal breakdown but just <laughs> a halftime part where it kind of like opens up more and we have some more air and, and breathe in it because the song is like a go 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 quite a bit right um and he's like you know man this is like this is like your your project your thing like you should have a little there's a little space for a you know a bass lead in there so like the mm-hmm. after the guitar solo uh you know going into the the third verse you know there's it's not like some crazy flashy solo but he's like you know do something tasteful and cool like on the bass it's your thing you should you should show off a little bit and i'm like yeah, yeah. all right if you're going to twist my arm <laughs> <laughs> so uh so anyway yeah so that's kind of how we did that part and then um you know once once we got some feedback Kyle and i tracked our stuff here um John tracked his stuff in in Omaha and uh and Patrick tracked his stuff here so it's it's all recorded separately we have actually never played this song together as a as like a unit which is so bizarre
1: I bet and I but I imagine that's com- that's that process of recording is becoming more common I mean frankly like in the last year and a half of course a lot of people are are still somewhat separated from one another, uh, from a a distancing standpoint. And you saw the rise of all those sort of, um, I mean, I even edited one, like where, where people did music videos from different locations, (laughs) you know, everyone, everyone recorded their part and it just got, got all sliced together. So it, it would feel like that's becoming more common, a more common way of, of the recording process, especially with everyone being so busy and potentially across the globe.
0: Yeah. I think it has, has become very common. In fact. You know, Kyle is like a, is mostly a session guy. So, um, uh, or I shouldn't say mostly he does a lot of session work and I think the vast majority of it is, is stuff online. He has a pretty, um, good reputation on like, he's got a YouTube channel that's pretty popular for his drumming, um, that he's been doing for like 10 years. And so I think that that Mm -hmm. guides a lot of traffic to him. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was a really crazy process too because uh, just the way that like the timing all fell into place, you know, I kind of figured out like where the deadlines for like, we have to have the recording done by this time, the mixing done by this time, artwork done by that, you know, whatever. And kind of like when it came down to time to track everything, I happened to just <laughs> like find a really bad time to do it. <laughs> it was oh, like, no. like, yeah, it was, it was like, Kyle had got some last minute gig um, working at John Petrucci's guitar camp for like a week. And it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh crap, that was when we were going to record. And and then John was sort of in something where it's like, Oh, I have, he had something big going on. I'm blanking on what it was now. And then he's like, and then I'm going to be in Omaha for like two days. And then I'm in Connecticut for three weeks. And I'm like, and he's got to record in Omaha. So it was like, we had this like two day, window that he needed to hit and then Kyle and i needed to get our drums and bass done prior to that and i was like oh crap so like kyle actually was doing that that guitar camp um in anaheim and like working like all day to do those and then he he literally like drove you know from from anaheim uh, for those of you who aren't in LA, that's about an hour away. <laughs> yeah. He was like staying in a hotel down there and everything for the guitar camp, and he was working long ass days and drove to, from Anaheim up to up to LA to record our our uh, drums and bass just so we could get it done in time. And so that's the kind of guy he is. I've, I really really appreciate like the the effort that that he and the other guys put in. You know, was, they really went like uh, above and beyond.
1: That's really cool, and, and it. And it and it feels like um it feels very much like uh like a like a almost like an indie film short kind of process where like you get your buddies and you get together and you say, look, we have this like finite amount of time to do this and everyone just sort of chips in and wears multiple hats. There's mm-hmm. another flick since we're writing down flicks for you to watch. Um have you seen one cut from the dead? No. I think it's a I want to say it's Japanese, maybe I don't recall, but it was on Joe Bob Briggs' uh, last drive-in. He featured okay. it there, um, but you could find it. I think you can find it anywhere, and it's um, it's a strange flick. But I, all I, I don't want to give anything away. All I'll just say <laughs> is just stick with it. Because okay. The first, the first half, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck is this? What is going on? <laughs> None of this makes any sense. This is like this looks literally like a student film." and then you watch the whole of it and it will all make sense and it's going to leave you fe- if it doesn't put a tear in your eye i would be surprised like it's such a fun fun flick and um it captures that feeling of of independent art you know it's not just a okay, cool. film yeah so when you're like i'm going to get my buddies we're going to find some time like we're going to do this overnight like it very much has that sort of that sort of vibe that like indie films or indie shorts, yeah. especially, kind of have, which That's is appropriate given, of, yeah, given what you yeah. what the what the song is around, it, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, because I mean that was like a low budget indie movie. As far, to the best of my knowledge, that was like a two million dollar budget movie. Um, yeah, which is is very low in the movie world. You know. Yes, it is. Even now, <laughs> even, how yeah, is. even now, yeah, even now um yeah and you know initially i just wanted to do a song and just record the song like that was that was really all this mm-hmm. was going to be at the beginning and then um i kyle and i play in this uh kind of industrial band called um model m and uh our singer's wife has been filming our music videos and she's she's like a one person wrecking crew like she she with with those videos she like makes the props she does wow. the camera work the directing the lighting the editing the vfx and i'm just like all right well now that i have like a you know this person as my as my friend i want to at least like you know spitball an idea to do this video <clears throat> and um you know and she was like she was totally down thought it was cool and then i i uh you know wrote the, the treatment and the storyline to it and she's like this is super ambitious. It's like we're kind of this reminds me of like our, uh, you know, my 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 days of making a movie in in one day shoots or something. <laughs> like. I forget what the that's. Yeah, I, I can't remember what she was comparing it to. I think there's like some sort of thing in the indie movie world where you like make a movie in 24 hours or something like that.
1: Yeah, they're, they're usually like a, a film festival, film com- yeah. competitions. I actually started with a lot of those. I used to, I did a oh, cool. a handful of like 24 and 48 hour film fest because usually the way it works is they'll give you a prompt or like a genre and then uh, like it'll usually be like a genre, like let's say horror and then Imagine. they'll give you a, a prop, like I don't know. I think one time we had to incorporate some sort of a playing card. Because it was like mm. I was around the time that the Dark Knight was coming out. So it was like the Joker thing. Okay. And then okay. and then sometimes they'll give you like a piece of dialogue that you have to incorporate in. So everyone has those three parameters. And then beyond that, it's like go nuts. Like whatever wow. you can do in 24, 48 hours. And so um they're super fun. Move this out of the way. They're super fun, but they are um but they're definitely hard to do because you basically got to do a bunch of stuff in like a day. Um, but they're very gratifying and they can be, it's, so it's like, it's like a super bonding experience in a way.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I could, I could totally see how that would be a really bonding experience because everyone's kind of working together to achieve the the same goal together, you know, and we, we had, so when you guys do those sorts of things, is it, do you have to like actually write and Mm -hmm. film the movie in 24 to 48 hours? Yeah. Okay. And so edit. this was a little less stressful than that, but <laughs> and edit it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh usually my god. It, it, it's usually like like you'll get the you'll get all your prompts or whatever on like on a Friday. And then by Monday morning it has to be uploaded. And so yeah, it's like soup to nuts. Like you, you basically wow. you hit like you don't sleep.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When would you? Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So ours wasn't quite to that degree, but uh but in the 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 sense where it's relative is that you know we we filmed the whole thing in one day so it was like one thirteen hour day which I know is pretty standard in the in the film world is you know twelve but it's so know. long <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. this was like a lot of it was so it was so many scenes and and uh, environments to shoot in one day that's that's where it was hard was all the changeover and and stuff too you know.
1: Right. Right. And doing this it's-
0: with almost no staff, it was like, I would like, you know, I was, I was helping Nina on top of obviously performing kind of, a, you know, she, she was doing the majority of the directing. I was, I had some ideas and stuff too. So I was kind of, um, you know, throwing ideas in there, but also like taking care of the props and the costumes and wardrobe and all that stuff. So it was just like, it, it was, it was a really hard day for me, but, but I'm so happy with how it all turned out, you know?
1: I bet because the quality is amazing. I have it in the background, and and like, oh, thank you. yeah, and 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 it's just so sick. I mean, like, the, obviously the, the killer clown costumes look amazing. They look sh- literally straight off the movie. Um, there's like special effects. I like, get again spoilers for the music video, but like you you have one of the cooler deaths. You know, you get you uh, get the you get the the the, oh, you. You the, uh, the, the Friday the third not Friday yeah Friday the thirteenth uh, Jason takes Manhattan treatment. <laughs> with uh with getting your head knocked off, punched off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I that yeah, that's something I wanted to do is just like trying and you know, to me this is kind of like my version of fan art, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just like you know, I wanted to like really pay proper uh what's the word? Homage or homage, uh, I don't homage.
1: Know. yeah. Homage,
0: yeah, to the to the real film. I've read that word so many times I and I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I, I really wanted to, uh, make this something that would be funny and I, and I really like the song. So it's like, I want a song that just like, sounds cool and, and put our own kind of like modern, uh, uh, flavor on the original song. But also, you know, I was like, well, if I'm going to write, you know, make a music video, might as well do it like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it absolutely mm. captures like that cinematic vibe that the that the movie has. Like if it, if if this other than the obvious difference in um camera quality probably. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 you if I didn't know you and I just saw this and and thought it was like an official music video to the movie, I'd buy into it because it it, it has that same sensibility to it. It, it it obviously is a love letter and it's obvious that you care a lot about it and it, it definitely comes through in both the music and in the accompanying video
0: oh thanks so much man thank you
1: of course has a uh, i don't i asked you this a couple of days ago but have any of any of the kyoto brothers seen commented said anything about your project yet that you know of
0: Um, yes, um, my, uh, PR team actually did reach out to them for a comment and we got a very, very, very short email back that was just like, Hey, this is really cool. Looks like you guys had a lot of fun and we're glad we can inspire this kind of madness or something like that. (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it was like pretty short in about three sentences, but, um, it's, you know, it's still really cool just to know that, uh, at least one of them saw it <laughs> you know yeah that's i, funny I hope they liked it and uh yeah and kind of on a similar note um i've been chatting with the uh drummer from the dickies um oh, cool. you know, who did the original version on on instagram like he, he's uh i think he he came across one of our uh photos like a month ago when we kind of started talking about it and so um he and i have been in touch a, a little bit so So I'm pretty certain the Dickies have seen it now too. So I don't know. That's pretty cool. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And
1: you, yeah. And you give a little nod to them. Uh, your guitarist is wearing a Dickie shirt in the Mm -hmm. music video.
0: Yeah. And that's, that was, that was his idea. And I'm so glad that he thought of that because I was, I was really, that sort of sparked my kind of, uh, creative juices for the rest of the, um, wardrobe too. But, um, yeah, I'm glad he did that because I the last thing I would want is for this to come across as like, "Oh, that's a good song, but we can do it better." It's like that's not not the intention. It's like we're we really want to we we love that song and the Dickies are great and we want to like show that we're giving them respect through this, right. you know? And I, I felt like that was a really uh good way to do it. And I actually saw like one of the YouTube comments said something like uh, th- this dude said like, oh, I wasn't gonna give this a chance because it's uh, it's a cover song. But then when I saw the guy in the Dickies shirt, I decided <laughs> to like to, to see it through, and I'm glad I did, or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think I think like I said earlier, the the respect comes through. You know, like you said, not only just through the Kiotas, but also Dickies the, the original version, and and it's not like you're just trying to to plagiarize their work. It's like it, you're obviously a fan. Mm-hmm. And you're you're giving a little a little bit of a give back, you know. You're you're the inspiration that they gave you is now being manifested in a in a work of art that people can enjoy, and maybe people who had never heard the song before, because it is an older movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe will come across this. They'll check out your version. Maybe they'll go check out their version. Maybe they'll go check out the movie, and and you sort of pay it backwards for folks mm-hmm. who who you know. I, I know when I was coming up, a lot of bands that I came to love. I came to love because, uh, you know, like for example, Davey Havoc from AFI would wear like Baja shirts or Sisters of Mercy shirts, and then I'd be like, "What are those bands?" And I'd go right, back and check them right. out. You know,
0: yeah, absolutely. I de- I definitely think that that that's a big thing. At least like in our generation, that was something I would do a lot too. Is like when I'd see a band that I or an artist or a band that I really liked, and they had, uh, you know, shirts of other bands. I was definitely like really curious. It's like, oh, if they like this this artist or this band I gotta go check it out you know you want to see what inspires the people that inspire you you know it's like doing your your historical research or something
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and it's funny too because that movie killer clowns has such a lasting legacy I have and I think I already told you this but I have a couple of ties to this in a strange way my old bandmate from probably 20 years ago now Mm-hmm. uh was the lead guitarist for the Kyotos, Jason Hell oh, played really? in the band. yeah so Jason Hale oh, is crazy. from my hometown when he was like 16, 17, he and myself and some other of our friends were in a hardcore metalcore band called Giving You a Pistol. And and right after we broke up, like uh, two of the members of the three of the members of the band went to go form another band and and Jason Hell and I opted not to um and at one point we had talked about playing music again. And then he knew someone in Michigan, I think is where they're from. And he moved from South Texas to Michigan and, and joined Kyoto's. So and like the next time I heard from him, he was like on the cover of AP, you know, Alternative Press. Wow. And he did that for a while. Yeah. I'm a super talented guy. And then and then I actually worked with the Kyoto Brothers um, on a Disney stop motion thing. And they were the, the, the fabrication house. And we worked oh, out of their wow. old... Yeah, we worked out of their old studio in Burbank, and it was super cool because um, they're all great guys. Ed and Steven and Charlie are the nicest guys ever, and uh, super professional, super like you can just tell that they've been doing this a long time, so they know mm-hmm. their shit. But they're also like very humble about it at the same time. And um, and they had in their in, the, in their old office. I don't they've moved since then, but in their old office, mm-hmm. they used to have like a little meeting room, like a boardroom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um in in the display cases they had like some of the heads from Killer Clowns. They had like oh, maybe wow. a couple of marionettes from Team America Team and America. like Yeah, various other stop motion stuff that they had done. Uh so it was so cool to be able to sit there and like see like they had tentacles coming out of the ceiling. <laughs> like, you know, just just to spruce the place up. And then Yeah
0: <laughs> Oh, and, and like, cool.
1: stop motion is is my favorite thing to work on because um it's it's a slow tedious process but the environment is super fun because it's a bunch of nerds right it's like yeah. everyone's just yeah. talking about green lantern like on their lunch breaks and you know movie i mean just it's like it's just like nerd heaven and and it was a blast working in that environment so for one reason or another even though i i always liked the movie since i was young mm-hmm. somehow or another I kept getting ties to it, and now this is like yeah, a third tie. You know, There's yeah. And there
0: the the band Kyoto's that your that your buddy is in. I think they were originally called the Kyoto's Brothers. I think the they band were, was, yeah, and then they changed it, right?
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I think right, right after because I think they were the Kyoto Brothers before Jason joined, and sometime afterward they <laughs> changed it to just Kyoto's, and then I think a few years ago he I don't know if he's retired or if he just left the band to go back back to texas mm-hmm. but i think he would stepped away from music a bit
0: gotcha yeah you know it, it's interesting too because uh it, kind of back to like you know john wearing the dickies shirt that inspired me i was like oh i should get something like a kyoto something that's gonna like give a nod to the kyoto's brothers right and so i mm-hmm. thought about getting a, a Kyoto sh- shirt and <laughs> nice. i was like no that might be too obvious because i also don't i don't like i didn't want to like have us all have band t-shirts on either you know that's that starts right. to just like, I think visually doesn't look good if every single person's got a band shirt on. It's kind of just, uh, it's kind of like too messy visually to me. So, so what? Uh, so I don't know if you noticed the shirt that I had on, but that's like a pretty, pretty obscure Kyoto's Brothers reference. Really? Um, yeah. Do you ever see um, Weird Al's movie UHF? Oh
1: God! Years and years. Ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies. It's so funny. It's very, it's super slapsticky. Like it's like, I mean, it's like the naked gun style of humor. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah, really yeah. silly. And I, I love it. And like I said, I'm a huge weird owl fan. And, um, I mean, one of my earliest memories in my life is going to see UHF in the movie theater when I was a little kid. That's cool. I think I watch yeah. it at
1: home. That's cool you got to see it in theater. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I remember. I think it came out in, I think it was 88 or 89 or something like that when I was a little kid. But um, And uh, the first time I met Weird Al, I told him that, too. I was like, hey, you know, one of the earliest memories I have is seeing that in the theater. And he's like, wow, you know, because I'm like my 30s. And he's just like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway, so the end of that of UHF, there's this scene where this character named Milo is like, Hey, I'm gonna you know, my work here is done, I'm gonna go back to my home planet. Weird i kinda like, uh what? Okay, whatever. And then, you know, everyone sort of walks away and then the guy's like face animates and turns into some weird alien and he flies away. And that and the Kyoto's brothers did that uh animation. Yeah, it's like you know they did like I th- also thought about getting a large Marge shirt because you know they famously yeah. animated large Marge, but uh, you know me being like such a diehard Weird Al fan, I decided like that was a little more personal to me to do that.
1: Yeah, best of both worlds. I've mm-hmm. actually also had the in in a tangential way. I've I've worked with Weird Al in a way. Um, he did vocals. He did a vocal bit. No, actually, he was live action too. He was on a, Annoying Orange. I don't remember. I think it was the Christmas episode. Oh. But we had we had Weird Al come in and like and like Alice Cooper. I think I think this was all for the Christmas episode. If I remember correctly, oh, yeah, so that of, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was really That's fun. He was in uh, the Annoying Orange. The Annoying it Orange. was on Cartoon Network, and I think it was the Christmas episode, if I remember correctly.
0: Mm, okay, cool.
1: I think they were only like eleven minute or fifteen minute episodes. <laughs> they weren't long. Um, but he's great. He's a good, he's I, and sometimes he, he's one of those, those, those guys that you'll just see around LA sometimes just randomly. And you're like, Oh, that's weird. Oh, cool. Okay. He's getting tacos. Yeah. Me too. Right on.
0: You know, um, I have, I have never seen him like totally random out, out in the wild. Um, but I've met him four times and he, he is always just so unbelievably kind and nice. He just has like a very gentle, like, energy about him mm-hmm. him and uh you know after reading this like article this long there's a really great article about him in the it was in new york times uh like their magazine that comes with the paper okay god probably about a year and a half ago where the, this this journalist basically followed him around went on tour with him and like really did like a deep dive into like what weird al is like and he you know it's just that just makes me admire him even further because I'm like, not only is he like hilarious and he's a good entertainer, but he's just like, seems like he cares about what he's doing so much. He's so talented, but he's just genuinely like a really, really, really kind person. And like yeah. very, um, um, what's the right word? Uh, um, that's cool. God, why that, this word is on the tip of my tongue and it's pissing me off. I can't.
1: <laughs> Well, and it's funny, it's funny that this ties back to Weird Al and Halloween and all that, because I think the very first time I met you was at a Halloween party and um, you were dressed right. as Weird Al.
0: Yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> which God, was that was
0: what, twenty four probably? Ages ago. Probably, something uh, like that.
1: Yeah, something like that. It was a long time ago. I don't yeah. even know. If, I think we met, like we like, we probably got introduced, but we didn't actually get to know each other for like, a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh,
1: but I think when, I think once we got to know each other more as as friends, then we went back and we're like, oh wait, we were both at the same Halloween party. I think I'm sure we met, like I'm sure we shook hands or whatever. You yeah, know? and
0: then we I think we went back and found pictures of us like standing yeah. next to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it all ties
1: in. Weird out. You know what they need to do? That there's the long standing um, push to make a Kiltertown sequel. I mean, when I worked with the Kyoto Brothers, they were talking about it back in 2011. I'm sure they've been at it since the first movie came out. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's a rights thing. I think MGM owns it or something. I believe
0: that's the issue.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but if this thing ever does come to fruition, I feel like Weird Al needs to be in it. Yeah. Like, I feel like <laughs> oh my
0: god, he should have the some natural... sort of cameo.
1: Yeah. He's like he's got to be like the maybe he's some sort of space commander or he's like uh, he's from their alien planet. I don't know exactly, but like <laughs> it feels like we need to tie we need to bridge these worlds. There's too many like you know. Th- tethers to to each yeah. thing and then and then i think you need to be on the soundtrack and i think oh that's god awesome.
0: that would be a that would be and that dream come true man we'll bring the world together god that would be awesome or maybe the clowns show up at a weird owl concert or something like that and that weird would be Al, fun maybe weird owls the one that like figures out that you have to hit them in the nose to explode it or something yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he
1: throw he throws his uh um uh oh shit what's the instrument he plays the uh yeah, the accordion <laughs> Accordion, yes. He throws yeah. the accordion at their nose and explodes. Them out. It feels yeah, like that'd, that'd be... be great. Or maybe, maybe he just he just compresses the accordion and he lets one end go and it like shoots out all wacky. Yeah. Oh, and
0: like... that would be awesome! It explodes <laughs> and like confetti flies everywhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. And then he... the crowd just thinks it's part of the show. You know,
0: I would like to see if it. Maybe he like has gives like each end of the accordion to like. One of his bandmates, and then he gets back in it like a slingshot from, oh, you know, something like, like Wiley Coyote would have done, and then he <laughs> blasts into the clowns or something. Be he
1: needs like the kicking legs too, like like as he goes, like just kicking his legs like super sped up or something <laughs> yeah. to that effect.
0: Oh, it, the I, word just, I was thinking of was wholesome.
1: Wholesome, yes. He's a yes. very
0: he's a very wholesome person overall. See, and that's why yeah.
1: he, it would be it would be funny if somehow he he just knows like he there's like this back history between weird owl and the killer clowns. And like, he, he knows how to take them out, but like no one knows how, and it's never yeah. explained. And maybe it's left for like another day, you know, maybe, it's maybe he's experienced in his other movies.
0: It's tied into UHF where yeah. he went, went with, uh, with the Milo back to his home planet after he flew away and turned into the alien that the Kyoto's brothers did. And maybe, maybe weird Al's got some insight on the clowns.
1: Yeah, maybe there's like this intergalactic <laughs> war that's been happening between the planets or you know whatever space adventures they had after the movie ends. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Because it's, those getting, things
0: both happened in 1988-ish. Right. So it's like right. a lot has happened in the last 31, 33 years.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it could be it could be like the the Killer Clown's extended universe <laughs> or cinematic universe or something.
0: Yeah. But uh, from what I've heard from You know, listening to those guys, the Keto Brothers on other podcasts, they have like a sequel and I think like a TV series, like basically written that they are just trying to get green lit. But as far as I understand, and and again, like don't quote me on this, uh, I think that it's a rights issue with MGM.
1: I think such a, such a bummer, man. It's such I a, bummer every, everything else
0: cl- cult classic. Like Sony it's, I feel like it's grown. The fandom for it has grown so much.
1: Absolutely. And plus they've made, they have remade everything else at this point. You know, yeah. why not just green light a sequel? I mean, I, I just read recently that they're going to do a reboot or a sequel or a spin off of the lost boys. Oh, I saw know. that
0: too. Yeah.
1: You know? So I, I mean, Look, I I know having worked with those guys that they can do a lot with very little. So like if you just give them a decent budget, let it run, man. Put it on Shutter, put it on all these streaming things, HBO Max or something yeah. like that. It it it'll find its uh, its audience, I yeah. believe. Because it's yeah, people, I agree. Clearly, look how much it's influenced. Just the one flick that they did, you know, when when a lot of people like. A guy like Jason Hill was a was I don't even know if he was born when the first movie came out or maybe he was an infant. You know, (laughs) he was much younger than me. So if it came out in eighty eight, I mean, I mean, he might have been an infant or toddler when that movie came out. But but clearly, there is influence, right? Long lasting. So yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, even you and I were pretty young when that movie originally came out. We probably you found it very young, but like most people, probably found it when they became a teenager. And so I think again, that's the really cool thing about about art and I, especially I think indie art, like it it will, if it, if it, if there's something to it, there's something there, it will find its audience that it will, it's like a magnet, right? It'll be drawn towards it and and Mm -hmm. and people will discover it one way or another.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just putting it out there and like its audience will find it. will find it, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got the music video done. It's out. The music video is out. Uh, the, The track is out um obviously it's getting good good reaction which is awesome and and well deserved um are you going back to your fifty thousand bands now that you have or how (laughs) many because because for those who don't live in los angeles or don't know people in the music industry if you're a music professional you're you have there's like i think there's a minimum of like five (laughs) bands you have to be in at any one time is that about right
0: that is that is about right actually yeah um yeah. Um, you know, the, the the few the two that have been getting the most of my attention as of late have been um uh Model M and Pariah. Um and then I've I've been learning songs for another band to play in with Kyle called Gotta Roll Riot that's like a punk band. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess about three bands right now. I'm trying to think of a Oh, and I I also did a couple one off things with a... Uh, a a two piece uh, little video game cover band that I've been doing with my friend Mark <laughs> called Enemy Base. Um, nice. So yeah, so I've got, I guess, those four projects and and uh, the Man from Alphabet doing the Killer Clowns stuff. So yeah, yeah. But, and I was yeah. gonna say,
1: and occasionally you day play with other bands here and there as it, <laughs> as it comes up, uh, which, yeah. which probably without saying too much has probably somewhat prepared you for this killer clowns uh, music video where you, where you played in, in full uh, regalia, <laughs> clown regalia.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's been, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've certainly had a- enough experience just uh, goofing <laughs> around and and stuff to be able to, to play like that.
1: <laughs> basically um, blindfolded.
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it was tricky. Um, yeah. But um, you know, I kind of, as far as like the stuff I'm probably like most excited about right now is, um, you know, my, my band Pariah that has, uh, John who played guitar on the killer clowns track, um, Pariah just hit like our 20 year anniversary as a band. So we started wow. in 2001, you know, and we we've been pretty inactive since I moved to LA 10 years ago. We've, we've done like two shows in Omaha since then we kind of like, you know, when we, we went on like an indefinite hiatus in like 2010 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we are kind of just like, we're never really going to split up because we really like making music together, but, right. uh, we also don't want to do this like, oh, we broke up, we're coming back. We broke up, we're coming back. We're just like, Hey, if we want to play a show every five years or put an album out every 10 years, like we're just going to do it, you know? Right. So um yeah, we've been working yeah, on some you, new stuff. It's cool.
1: That's awesome. Cause I I think when I met you, you were during your hiatus. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but that was the band that you had started with your mates like many years prior in Omaha, like you mentioned. And then and then uh, I think I remember when y'all had talked about getting back together. Or not I guess not getting back together, but re being active again as a band. What if I remember, like what kind of music is Praia? Like it's like hardcore-ish, right? If I remember correctly, or metal-ish?
0: Yeah, so we were you know, we really started in like the, the, the tech metal tech metal metal core stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say we started more as a metal core band and then we, we kind of started getting more technical and lumped in with a lot of the, uh, the prog and tech bands. Like, um, you know, most people, at least back in, you know, most of our reviews and stuff would be like, oh, this band has, is reminiscent of like, between the buried and me and dillinger escape plan and and yeah. red chord and and on you know um <clears throat> so yeah it's it's a it's a fast pretty intense band um but you know some of something that we always really you know did with a lot of pride was just like we want to be just like crazy good musicians too so i, I mm-hmm. think it it was almost like a friendly competition within the band of like oh let's see if i can write a riff that this person's going to struggle with. <laughs> it felt like that's, I mean, I don't think that that was ever anyone's like intention, but it sort of felt like that sometimes like, Oh man, this is going to be hard. Or like, what's the weirdest thing I could do over this riff that I can still show off what I'm doing, you know? So like, you know, for me as a bass player, for example, it's like a lot of bass playing in metal music is, is uh, just like really supportive of the guitar. And right. I, I took it more, Our first album, I did it, I played a lot more like that. But then when Mm -hmm. we did our second one, I was just like, you know, I want to just play how I want to play. And my favorite bass player is Les Claypool from Primus. So I'm just kind of like a lot of the time when I was writing, you know, stuff for that album, you know, like John would come up with like some real thrashy riff and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I want it to sound thrashy and heavy, but like what would Les Claypool play over this? And so I would do like kind of mix uh, a hybrid of like, how do I make this fast and heavy, but also like weird. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) You know? So, so I've got a lot of like slapping and tapping and like, even like strumming chords and stuff like that. Um, which I think is, is typically unusual for, for bass players in, in like music that's that heavy and intense. And I think that's where we get a lot of our between the buried and me, um, comparison is because that bass player is does a lot of that kind of stuff as well
1: right yeah when i i mean you and i are pretty close in age and we sort of start playing hardcore metalcore music around the same time it sounds like and um like i said my like my basses growing up were like i mean i was very punk rock you mm-hmm. know and so i was very into like the misfits or uh um uh pennywise right and so i was kind of oh, coming yeah, from sure. that sort of just just play fast and play along with the drums and the melody. And it felt like when when that metalcore boom happened, it was a lot of musicians who were a bit better musicians so that they could play uh, beyond punk rock strictly, Mm -hmm. but... But not quite good enough musicians to play metal, <laughs> and so <laughs> somewhere so in between is where Sorry. like a lot of musicians landed, and then eventually like you know the cream always rises right, and so the really talented musicians were able to just like in punk too, like we're able to like transcend the genre in some in some ways, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think of like a band like Every Time I Die or something that was like playing this crazy fast but also very technical and yeah and yeah they're real weird. Technical real time weird time signatures and things just to to throw you off you know and um and so i it's it's when you mention that like a like a less claypool is like your influence right mm-hmm. uh and knowing what kind of difference that makes in the musical output that you do it just reminds me of that scene from uh what was that metallica documentary was it some kind of monster or something? oh
0: yeah you know i've I've actually avoided watching that because I've, I heard at least like when it came out, people are like, I can never look at Metallica the same way again. And I love that band oh, yeah. so much. I'm just yeah. like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to have that. So, but yeah. anyway, well, go that's, on.
1: <laughs> a, that's a good, that's a good point. and And I don't think your friends are wrong on that point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it took me, it, it kind of took me years to re- rediscover my love of Metallica because after load and reload and St. Anger and watching that documentary, I was like, Oh, fuck these guys. But there, <laughs> Their music is great, and Death Magnet's not terrible. But there's a scene where Les Claypool um, uh, auditions to, oh, be, to right. replace, yeah, to replace Jason Easted. And I think if I remember correctly, they they basically tell him no because they think he will get bored in the band. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I've I've <laughs> uh, I have i i have not seen that specifically, but that's what I've heard. Is, or they were like, I, I think I saw James Hetfield say something like, "This dude's way too good to be playing this kind of." like fill <laughs> this role, you know. I mean Metallica's yeah fantastic. But uh but yeah, the the type of bass playing Les Claypool wanted to do probably would not have been the best fit for Metallica. Probably, <laughs> probably wouldn't fit. Which is not to yeah. say that
1: any of their bases are bad. I mean I mean Cliff Burton's fantastic. Yeah. And and, and Robert Trujillo is,
0: is phenomenal too. He's great. Yeah
1: he's He's excellent, and, and honestly, frankly, Jason, you said is really good as well. They just didn't, I guess, by the time Jason joined the band, their idea of what the bass should be was like be in the background, seen and yes. not heard. Like yeah. they famously turned down the bass, and what was it, And "Justice for All" or something, to yeah. the point where it was almost like their sound mixer was like, "Is this a joke? <laughs> like, yeah. why don't you have any bass in this uh, music?"
0: <laughs> yep, that's that's the that's the legend. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, It's hilarious. Um, so you've got four bands going. Do you still have your uh t-shirt company going?
0: Yeah, in Vegan Veritas is still going. Uh the, the the pandemic was not super great for me with the with the t-shirt business, um but Sure. I'm still uh I'm I'm still surviving. <laughs> it's still That's going. Are the, yeah. I,
1: I I think I told you this off air, but like I we're like 20 something episodes in and somehow I've not had a vegan on to talk about veganism, like somehow people got lucky for the first uh couple few, few episodes that I, I didn't do any sort of a vegan talk for those people <laughs> who are gonna immediately flip off now, yeah. But that was another common bond between us, we're both vegan, and yeah. we've been to many many vegan uh eatery events and and tofurkey runs, that's and,
0: right, tofurkey yeah, trot,
1: which I need to do because I've uh I've, I'm starting to look like a turkey these days. <laughs>
0: What do they call it? The COVID fifteen or something?
1: Yeah, easily, easily. People (laughs) think that being vegan means you're going to be like skinny, and you're very in great shape. But uh, there is vegan pizza; it does exist, and it's delicious. So
0: it's awesome. And you know, I mean, people still vegans still. uh, I think I think it naturally does skew you to be a little healthier than like a you know an, an omnivore, but. Uh, at least for a traditional American diet, but um, yeah, it's yeah. still very possible to be overweight um, and vegan. I mean, Coca Cola is not ve- is is vegan, so it's like what's yeah. that? Just like st- sixteen ounces of like sugar and syrup, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then not only that, like it, it's it's both good and bad, right? So the so you got you got companies like a Burger King or Carl's Jr. or Del Taco. Um, I'm sure there's more, but they all carry mm-hmm. vegan. Faux meat, right? Right, right. But I mean, and maybe apples to apples, like if you put an Impossible Burger versus a meat burger, like it might be a little bit healthier. Yeah. But but those fries aren't. <laughs> those, <laughs> hey, those are the fries usually are the, the same. Yeah. Those are usually the worst part of it. And like for me, I just drove back from Texas. And when I'm on the road, when I'm driving, usually those are my three options. of yeah. like You know, maybe if I want to stop and get out, I get like Chipotle or mm-hmm. Subway, maybe. But those
0: aren't uh, along the freeways as much. Not as much, no. Yeah. So
1: you're you're like like every oh Dunkin' Donuts is the other one. They've got a Beyond sandwich. Egg, oh know, really? Uh, English muffin. Yeah yeah yeah. They have an oh. English muffin. You have to tell them no egg and cheese, but but they do have the the faux meat. But that kind of becomes your diet for however many days you're on the road. So mm. I've been on I've been on it where like I, I'll get I'll have I'll get Burger King three three for all three meals that day because I'm on the highway and that's really all there is. Right. Um, and then you're just sitting healthy. in your
0: car all day too.
1: You're exactly. you not walking around right. or
0: anything. You're just like, well, I'm going to get this junk food and then I'm going to sit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then after you eat the junk food, you, you want to sit because it feels <laughs> heavy. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a far, far cry from when I first went vegan, which was, there was nothing. We had tofu. And maybe soy milk, maybe if you What, uh, what to year it.
0: was that? Like when you first started?
1: Oh man, I was trying to think about that. I think I was nineteen. Like, oh wow! So, so
0: this, is, this is like in the nineties or early two thousands,
1: huh? Early two thousands, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I was basically. I've told. I don't know if I've told it on this podcast, but like, I always think it's important for me to tell this story because it's slightly embarrassing for me now, but I think it's really good because a lot of people go through this. So I was meat free from I believe the age of 19 through like 26, 27, I Mm -hmm. think something in that range. It was was like seven or eight years. Uh, Most of that was vegan. A couple of them were vegetarian on either end. And then I went back to eating meat in my late 20s. And I think that happens to a lot of people who, who are very passionate when they're young, right. They're very punk rock and Mm -hmm. rebellious. And then they get older and they get, start getting hit over the head with this sense of, um, well, you got to start fitting in, right. You got to stop being the the person that everyone has to cater their, you know, eating habits around because you can't or don't eat the majority of what's available. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for about five or six years, I went back to eating meat, um, and got really, really ill. Like oh, I, really? I, yeah, like I, I found that I was immediately lactose intolerant. So even when I went back to eating meat, I didn't eat hardly any dairy. Um, at some point I became allergic to red meat. Like I couldn't eat. I mean, it literally physically make me nauseous. I'd get sick. Wow. Um, like So toward the end, I could only eat a little bit of chicken and a little bit of fish. And, and I was almost back to being veg- at least vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, and then so at a certain point I just started asking myself, like, why am I, Hey, why did I go back to eating meat? I love e- be eating vegan; like I love eating that way. Mm-hmm. And clearly, my body is telling me that this this shit's bad for me. Yeah, and and I and it's probably it's like been limiting s-
0: you on how much you can have. Your body's like you can only have yeah. this much of chicken, as you said. You know,
1: right? It's like why? Why do I even care that much? Right? So, so uh, when I first went vegan, I I think I did a year of being vegetarian first. I think it's been six or seven years now since I've been back to being vegan, and I just did it right away. It was just like I just flipped a switch. I was like, okay, I'm vegan now again, and <laughs> and uh, and and I say this all because I I feel like there's a lot of people, and, and it, it, it's somewhat in the industry I think as well. But there's this sort of sense that like if you stop being vegetarian or vegan for whatever reason, that you can never go back to being it. Yeah, you know, like you're, you're like you'll be a poser or whatever if you do it, or and or people will judge you. And I and I I just think that like if I call those my dark years, right. I'm like, I'm very ashamed of that, but I also want to try to use it to inspire folks that if you've tried to go vegetarian or vegan, and for whatever reasons you, you didn't, you didn't hope you didn't stick it out. There's nothing wrong with like jumping back on the train. If, if it's still something that you're passionate about, because uh, in the end, despite of what anyone else, their, their opinions might be of you, mm-hmm. you, um, you're going to do a lot of good if you decide to return to that lifestyle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you even being open about that, that also helps people because it's, it's, uh, it's relatable, you know, a lot lot of people can relate to that of like, Oh, I, I, I fell back into it. And, you know, like you said, like then they can, if they hear like, Oh yeah, it's okay to, to, jump back into it you don't have to feel like oh the vegan community will never accept me again or, or whatever you know yeah it's, it's fine we welcome it yeah. we welcome you back
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? i remember i used to i used to be straight edge for a while and it was one of those things where, like uh uh if you stopped being straight edge if you broke edge then yeah never i remember that edge. term
0: breaking edge <laughs>
1: Yeah. Do you remember? It was like, it was like, if you broke it, you never were like retroactively, no matter how many years you put in, that was erased somehow by the (laughs) gatekeepers and dorks. And it's like, don't worry about all that stuff. Like if, if you're, I, I, I've, I've gotten to the point in my life where if someone brings it up to me or if it's a natural part of a conversation, I'll have it, you know? Uh, i'm not a super i'm not a banner waver but i will definitely have those conversations with folks and of course i believe very strongly in it and um and i i i think that the more welcoming we as a community we can make it for folks uh the more people will once they try i've always felt like if once you try it you'll realize how it's Really nice to do it's really easy to do relatively it doesn't have to be expensive all the things you read online about why you can't go vegan like most of that's bullshit you can mm-hmm. certainly do it and once you kind of give it an uh, an honest go most people I know even people who still eat meat like most people are like oh I, I prefer to eat vegan or I eat vegan very yeah. often or whatever well, like eating. I eat
0: beyond burgers several times a week instead of you know beef burgers yeah man but I think you I think you touched on something important is that the the change and and creating the new habit is the difficult part. But once you get in the habit, it's just like second nature. And like it, I I like can't believe how easy it, I mean, I've been doing it for, I've been vegan now for uh, nine, wait, nine years, something like, yeah, Mm -hmm. nine years, nine and a half, something like that. And it's just like, I don't, it's not even something I think about anymore when I'm thinking about what I'm going to get for food. It's, it's just, easy. You know, you just start learning yeah. where you can go, what brands, what things like might have dairy in them so you know kind of know what to look out for and things like that and it's yeah, it's just it's easy. And I mean, yeah. not even just, I mean, in addition to, you know, just getting used to it, it's like the world has become more vegan friendly. Like, I mean, especially in LA, it's just like almost every place you go here, you don't have to go and explain to them what vegan is or ask them for a vegan like Places have vegan options. Um, yeah. What I think is, is I've I've found, uh, discovered, and found fascinating over the years is like, so like I, I became a vegetarian and I lived in Nebraska still back in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and when I would go places and like try and figure out a, ve- a vegetarian option, like waiters and waitresses were just confused, just like <laughs> what you don't eat yeah. any meat, you know and. And so I, I, uh, I have found that it was more difficult to be a vegetarian in 2008 than it is to be a vegan in 2021, even in Nebraska, you know, like when I go back there now and visit my family, it's like any restaurant that has opened up in the last five years and like caters to a younger crowd, they have vegan options on their menu. And if I say, oh, I need something vegan. the, The waiter's not like, what's that? What does that mean? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to explain to them and have a whole d- debate about it. They're just like, oh, yeah, the vegan options are going to be this and this.
1: Cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Like that that explanation part was always so hard back in the days. I mean, you, you talk back when I went first vegetarian or vegan, like I was in South Texas, uh, which I could always get rice and beans. That's always my fallback. Right? Yeah. If there's Mexican food somewhere, generally speaking, rice and beans are good to go. Uh, potatoes, you know. You could always get that, but but even then, it used to be like, oh, can I just have a, a you know, rice, bean, and potato taco, uh, or they call them burritos out here. Mm-hmm. And then and then and then they're like, cool. And you want cheese? I'm like, no, no, no cheese. And like, you don't want cheese? I'm like, no, definitely don't want cheese. I will I will have a bad reaction all over yeah. your restaurant if you give me cheese. Just just no cheese. And then they look at me like I'm, or at least back then, certainly mm-hmm. it was like like you have a third eye growing out of your <laughs> <Yeah>. forehead. <laughs> And like you said, now you're right. Most places, I mean, and I, I, for work, I travel all over and some places are easier to eat than others, of course. And for sure, as I mentioned, you know, sometimes you're on the road and that option is only like pizza or Burger King or fast food. Right. But, but even that didn't exist. Like even like 10 years ago, even five years ago,
0: (laughs) I don't think that exactly,
1: you know, my, my wife and I were recently in Vegas and like, we were trying to find a vegan spot. And again, not as off. Off the um, the Strip, there's some amazing vegan restaurants in mm-hmm. in uh, Las Vegas. There's a I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to a place called Dr. Kenny's Dim Sum. Cool, the best vegan dim sum I've ever had. The whole the whole restaurant's vegan. It's Congrats. it's fantastic. And there's another place called Tarantino's Italian, all vegan as well. Just like um, blows away anything I've had in Los Angeles oh
0: Oh, badass.
1: It's so good. And then, and I, I have to assume that because it's off the strip and you kind of have to drive 20 minutes to get to it, that it's got to be really good because it's, it's, you know, like there's, you know, you've been to Vegas, like there's nothing off the strip really. It's very Anything suburban. Anything in
0: a tourist, a tourist trap, like the Vegas strip, or even the walk of fame in Hollywood, it's yeah. like, you're just getting nothing but junk. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> like, right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. They're not looking for um, repeat business. No, exactly, one hundred percent. But but like now, yeah, yeah. Like, like even even some of the restaurants on the strip will will have like uh I, I would say like, do you have anything that's vegan or do you have a vegan option? Like, and they would say like, we have a whole vegan menu.
0: Oh yeah, it's, you it's know just, the the is it the Rio? I think the owner of the Rio Hotel is vegan, so every restaurant oh. there has a at least like good vegan options or vegan menus. Like separate wow, I menus. didn't know that. Yeah, so the um the last time i was there is like when i went into a restaurant i remember looking at the menu there and being like there's nothing vegan on here and i I, you know i i thought that everything here had an option so i asked the 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 server and they're like oh yeah let me go grab a vegan menu and it was enormous i was like (laughs) oh my gosh like i'm just used to only having a couple of options and i get overwhelmed pretty easily with too many options and i'm just like Mm -hmm. this there's like like fifteen, twenty things to choose from on this. Like this is like a going to a vegan restaurant. There's plenty of stuff on here. So that's yeah. a little tip, travel tip to Vegas. If you're on the strip and you're vegan, go to the Rio. <laughs> every place. Every <laughs> every restaurant in that hotel, they got you covered.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's the cool thing about it because the perception is changing. Even, even like like you said, like even five years ago, like there were still people who were like, oh, I don't want to say I'm vegan because it's got a connotation. I'm going to say plant based. Sure. And I feel, and I feel like even now people are just like, nah, I'm vegan. It's cool. And, yeah. and, and like, and like the culture has adjusted. It's, I don't, I don't think if people, when people think about vegan folks, or at least that we, this used to be the perception,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they think like super hippie, like earthy, crunchy kind of like, uh, and I don't think that fits. I don't think you or I fit that, that archetype or that stereotype, Mm-mm. but, but, you know, but, you know, I, we went to, um, the reason we were in Vegas was because we went to uh, punk rock bowling. Oh, cool. And yeah. I,
0: yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And Jess was concerned that we wouldn't have, there wouldn't be vegan food at the festival because there was no in and outs. Right. And I was like, it's, it's punk. Like a hundred percent. They'll have a vegan. They'll have probably multiple because mm-hmm. that's how I got introduced to veganism Same. and, and yeah. Right. Like there's like punk rock stuff. And sure enough, there was like three places, like three vendors there. And it was all delicious. Like. Uh, it was super rad. And, and so like, I, I think the, the, the image of like, and no, I'm I'm not picking on Moby, but like when people think of vegans, they kind of think of like Moby, like very, very frail, thin dude. Who's mm. probably always been like that regardless of his diet. And I just think that, that now, um, I think people are coming to understand that there's it's a, it's much more of a variety of folks, you know, yeah. from, you know, your Moby's to Davey Havoc to, um. Uh, bodybuilder tom, tom,
0: dudes
1: <laughs> tony tony cannell yeah bodybuilder guys like pro wrestlers like everywhere in between i think people are starting to come around i mean even i think he only does it during football but like even tom brady when he's playing when mm-hmm. he's actively playing football he's on a vegan diet the whole yeah way through, that's I what think. It's
0: heard as well yeah
1: yeah so like that is starting to become if not mainstream at least accepted and normalized. And uh, I, I get a lot less bacon jokes than I used to get growing up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. You know? Well, I think At you touched you know I mean. on a lot of important things there. And, um, you know, one that stuck out was that like, yeah, I think people were very hesitant to even try the vegan stuff because they don't want to fit in the stereotype of either mm-hmm. um a hippie or uh, an angry activist. And, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's like, there's there's uh, plenty of stuff in the animal agriculture industry to be angry about and and i oh. you know i I get involved in some activism as well
1: yeah. um,
0: but that being said is I feel like it's really important to show that there is not a stereotype that veganism is for everybody you know and that's a Absolutely. that's a big reason I wanted to you know i started the 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 uh graphic tea clothing company that i did is like i I really want this to look like just mainstream normal stuff because that's that's what's going to draw people in you know and the end of the day the the important thing is not vegan culture the important thing is uh eliminating animal suffering or minimizing it as best as we can and in order to do that it's got to be accessible and acceptable for everybody
1: you know, One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and and into whatever capacity you're able to do, which is something that I, I probably would have been less inclined to believe when I was younger and and more part you know filled with fire and brimstone. But as I've gotten older, like would I love to wave a wand um, and magically everyone is vegan overnight? Of course I would, one hundred percent, you know. But I also realize that not everyone can do that for or or, or is not at that place yet, or whether mm-hmm. societal pressure or whatever it may be and so uh encouraging folks to to your point it's not about culture it's not about you or i right mm-hmm. it's exactly. it's at least from at least for me it's about the cow or the chicken or the pig or the whatever that that has to go through some pretty horrific uh torture mm-hmm. uh, amongst other things in order to eat when and, and not to mention the environmental you know um offshoot and 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 uh uh impact that 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 the agricultural industry has um so i don't care i mean I, in, in the end i'd rather you be meatless monday only right than eat meat every day a week
0: yeah exactly know? and, and if, i would say any effort yeah. is better than none you know and, and typically once people start doing something like a meatless monday they just they incorporate it more and more and you know everybody not everyone's going to do it overnight too you know it's it's uh important to realize everyone's different and uh you know, goes at their own pace. You know, I, I didn't go vegan right away. I was, uh, I was pescatarian for about five years and then I, mm-hmm. you know, made, made the switch and, you know, it's been great for me and, but you know, other people, it's like, they're better at, um, you know, going from one to the, to the next thing really quick, but other people it's gradual. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, yeah, you know, someone says, Oh, yeah, I don't drink milk anymore. I get almond milk. I'm just like, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Because that's, man, I mean, if everybody in the world just drank almond milk, and we don't have cows for dairy anymore, that would be incredible. So I mean, any sort of progress we're making, I I applaud it.
1: Yeah. And not only that, even even progress within, you know, vegan food or or non animal food is cool. Because like, you know, there's obviously the taste increase that's gotten better over time, right? Like soy milk mm-hmm. is. I rarely drink soy milk now. Nothing against Silk or anything like <laughs> that, because I, because I kind of came up with that as an as an adult. But but you know, there's there's almonds do take up a lot of water, and so now sure. we've started moving into like oat milk, oat milk and like yeah, the coconut milk, and there's all these even within even within what's what's. Uh, you know, sort of marketed as vegan food, there's been, there's been, we're finding new ways to be more sustainable. Yeah. Um, You know, I'd love for more food to move away from palm oil. And, uh, and uh, what was the other one? There's another thing that's like, it's not animal product, but it, it definitely contributes a lot to like deforestation and things of that nature. Okay. But like, but like we're moving in that direction. And so like, I think that the progress is the most important part, you know, it's not about ego. It's really about trying to just do, the best you can with the resources that you have. And I think one of the things that is very prevalent online is the sort of purity test that everyone must pass. Mm -hmm. Like you must be the perfect vegan or you must be the perfect this or the perfect that. And they're they're, there. We're not allowing room for our brothers and sisters to be fallible. And of course we all are. Right. 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 So that's, that's why I think it's really important. And that's why I think it's really cool with like your, your clothing line that you do and like, They're fun. They're not like beat you over the head. Right. You know, it's not like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that kind of like even kind of drawing back to earlier is like, that's a lot of my style and my sense of humor is just like, you know, I think these, what I kind of hope with these, you know, shirts is that not only, you know, because a lot of them are parodies, it it makes you kind of blend in, like maybe go in under the radar of like your vegan. Mm -hmm. Cause like I would wear my, you know, I have the Nirvana parody yeah. I wore that to sh- to work at my my old job all the time, and there'd be people that I worked with for like a year that are like, "I just realized that that's not an Nirvana shirt," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's like kind of <laughs> kind of covert, you know?" Um, yeah, but also I think that when I think humor is you know, the best icebreaker. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a, a shirt that's like kind of clever and maybe make give someone like a chuckle or like, oh, that's cool. It's like that it's like a Nirvana shirt, but it looks it's got bananas for eyes. It's like, oh, that's clever. That's funny. And then you can like have a more friendly conversation about veganism than it is like pointing a finger right away. And I'm not yeah. I'm not slighting the types of clothing that is more um, I'll say harsh for lack of a better word. Um, you know, like, cause I think that stuff's important too. Cause I mean, sometimes the message has to be harsh, but you know, I, the way I always kind of approach it with those, with either of those shirts is like knowing that if you're wearing something that says like vegan, regardless of if it's a harsh, harder message or a comedic one, it's going to spark conversation. So you have to like, like when you're putting that shirt on for that day, you have to know that like, someone's going to want to talk to you about it. Cause typically it does happen.
1: <laughs> There's a quote from a, a pro wrestler, Brian Danielson, that he was talking about wrestling. And he, and he was saying that um, really excellent professional wrestling will make a fan of, of anyone for wrestling, right? Like if any, if you could sit anyone down and have them watch really excellent professional wrestling, you're going to get a fan out of that. Right. Because, gotcha. because the art form holds weight when it's done well. And I think that's the truth for like a veganism. Like if you, if you show people, if you open the door for people non in a non-judgmental way, and you allow people to walk in and taste the delicious food that's available, and and find out that they can live a lifestyle without necessarily fitting a stereotype or an archetype, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that more often than not, you'll at least move people in that direction uh, if they don't. If they don't jump in 100, percent because I just think that it the the quality of life that one can have being vegan speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important. And and to kind of like piggyback on what you're saying, uh, piggyback, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like conceptually. Yeah, showing something. Um, but you know, like I, I think it's like kind of leading by example too. You know, kind of what you said about. The, the analogy made of somebody seeing wrestling and it done really well. It's like, uh, and then they become a wrestling fan. It's like, be a good example of what a vegan can be. And so when someone says, Oh, you're like, you function in the world like a normal person, you, you go the same places I go, you hang out in a lot of the same friends, you have like a similar lifestyle and you're vegan. Like, like that's, to me, it's like a combination of leading by example, Um, and, and also like opening the door up for somebody and, uh, making yourself available for conversations too, I think is super important.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. And, um, and I think the work that you're doing helps with that. I think normalizing and, and like you said, using humor and comedy to sort of break the ice helps normalize, uh, and change the the perception that people have. Of, of veganism so that's really cool i i, I love your shirts I especially oh, thanks, man. i was just th- i was just thinking about the uh, the lisa simpson one the other day i don't know why <laughs> i was just like i fucking i never got that one so uh if you see an order for that, it's probably me oh, okay. um, <laughs> awesome are you still doing art battle cuz you're you're pers- i mean for uh, people in la typically have like 15 projects that they're doing yeah. <laughs> all at the same time i don't know what it is about this town it's not even all for money either but are do right. you still do art battle are you still involved in that
0: no i'm not um it's uh i i was kind of i was doing that as kind of a side thing while i was working at two-bit circus Mm -hmm. and i i kind of i really found that i was just stretching myself too thin to do both of those so um so i I parted ways with Art battle and then um and then the pandemic hit pretty shortly after that anyway so yeah that's that's what's been tough about the pandemic is that like you know at at two-bit circus was where i worked full-time previously, um, you know, my job was in events. My job was to get large groups of people into a place where everyone touches everything (laughs) (laughs) and gets close together. So um, yeah, my job's not coming back anytime soon. And then, you know, my, my side jobs were art battle, which is event-based art. right? Um, And even my t-shirt line, I was doing more than 99% of my sales at events. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So uh you know the the online stuff with within Vegan Veritas has picked up a, a a has picked up since then, but it's not uh it's not like, you know, blowing up. Or anything, you right. know, but it's it's picked up a lot from where I had it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it does you know? it does seem like people are starting, I mean, for better or for worse, that people are events are being held again, concerts are being held again. Mm-hmm. Um it does feel like via hell or high water, we're we're reopening the world in, in with full gusto. Um and so hopefully some of those events or you know you're able to to go to again and be a part of again and the reason i brought up art battle is because i think a week and a half after this podcast comes out will be my wife and i's first anniversary as a married couple and we met at art battle
0: that's right i I don't know what to say but i'm i'm really happy that uh i could facilitate your marriage in some sense of the form like that's (laughs) that's amazing man oh i i I totally blanked that that uh that's where you two had met. I know you had mentioned that to me before, but wow, that's yeah. that makes me so happy to know that I had some involvement in 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 helping you yeah, guys who, uh, kick off your who, relationship.
1: Yeah, who knows? If you hadn't been, you know, organizing our battle, perhaps we would not have done that and maybe we would have done something else and maybe it would have completely changed the tone of our first introduction. So it's yeah. it's it's always funny the, and especially like, as you and I's friendship is concerned, like you never know, like these little moments, they lead to something else, right? Like if I don't go to that Halloween party, if I don't go train at cross train, mm-hmm. if I don't go, like, if these things don't occur, they don't line up in the right way. Then we, we don't screw get up to the timeline. Point. Exactly. It's like back to the <laughs> future. <laughs> yeah. Or
0: yeah. uh Loki, but yeah.
1: Let, let everyone know where they can find your multiple projects. Um, uh, Eden vegan Veritas, uh, your, your bands. And then are we getting more the man from alphabet? Like, is this going to be an ongoing thing?
0: Yeah. Great question. So, um, the man from alphabet, you know, I, I basically just like use that as, or I am using that as sort of like this random project. So when I want to do one-off things or maybe I, I, whatever, um, it's just going to be kind of a random hodgepodge of, of, which musicians are right for which projects? So I'm kind of treating it more like a collective than I am mm-hmm. like a band. You know, and I'll, I, I want to keep working a lot with the musicians I, I've got, but it's like, I want to also pull in other people as well right. and just make this sort of a fun thing we do together. I don't have concrete plans for what the next stuff is. I do have some original songs I want to finish up to put out with the man from Alphabet. Um, but I also, you know... I really enjoyed doing this killer clowns thing. So <laughs> I, you know, me and a couple of the other guys have been talking like, yeah, we should, we should like do some more cool, fun songs like this. This could end up being a, a project where we're playing at like comic-con style conventions and That's you know, cool. just h- hitting up some of our favorite, you know, um, nerdy classic songs from some of our favorite movies and stuff like that, I think could be really fun. And uh, I, you know, like you, I love Halloween. So it would be really awesome to keep like pumping out songs that could be, you know, the potential to be on Halloween playlists. That's that's a big yeah. goal of mine for this song. It's like I I would really like to be on, have this be like a song people listen to during Halloween season. That would be super that, rad.
1: Well, I I'm about to make my Halloween playlist. So I'll make sure to put your track on there. Ah, I thanks, love man. I I especially love like covers like like really good covers. Like one of my favorites is um uh me first in the gimme gimme's cover of uh double feature science fiction and uh from rocky horror picture show oh okay it, it, yeah it's such a such a great track and like it's punked up and it just sounds super fun and um they help they help add some spice to your to your monster mash and your thrillers yeah. and you, you toss yeah. in a little uh a little cover show a little that changes it up a little bit and and you know it makes it more fun.
0: Yeah, why not? Uh, Tenacious D does a really awesome cover of a uh, Time Warp from Rocky Horror really? Show. If you haven't heard that. And it's haven't. like, I know Jack Black's a really talented dude, but holy shit, the way he sings in that song just is, to me, is just like mind-blowing. I mean, he's he's hitting like the, the, the choruses like an octave mm-hmm. higher than everybody else. <laughs> I mean, and it is, he's really belting it out. And you can just, that's a dude that has, so much energy, like unbelievable yeah. amount of energy. And you can really hear it in that music. Like when you just, even if you're not watching the video, you can just, you can feel his energy through, through his, through what he's pushing out of his body. It's, it's pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. It's uh, the Richard O'Brien sings that in a pretty high octave as it is. So it's uh, I definitely want to check that out and I recommend that people check your cover out. Your cover up of the theme from the killer class from outer space, the man from alphabet. It's, I assume available everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, yeah. all that jazz.
0: It's on all the streaming services. Uh, the videos up on YouTube, you can find all the links on my website, which is the man from So you can find all my, uh, social media links on there, all the streaming links, uh, merch, um, all that good stuff's going to be on there.
1: Very cool. And if there, if anyone's interested in buying um, one of your in vegan Veritas shirts, is that also linked there? Or is there a separate website for that? Well,
0: th- yeah, that'd be a separate website. So uh, in vegan Veritas is spelled I N V E G A N V E R I T A S. <laughs> wow. Trying to do that in my head was uh, surprisingly <laughs> difficult and embarrassing. <laughs> Inveganveritas.com. Um, and I, it's also the Instagram handle is in, at in vegan Veritas. Um, so yeah, we've got, got all the cool stuff on there. It's, uh, very cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, I, thank you for coming on the show. I strongly recommend people check out all your work cause you're incredibly talented. And I think as we've highlighted an incredibly busy person doing all <laughs> kinds of cool shit. Um, but it's all excellent. All of it's really rad. And like, I, this timed out so well because I I knew that for October um, I wanted to sort of gear the show a little closer towards like spooky stuff. And then Mm -hmm. this sort of lined out as much of our, uh, as much of our friendship has done, it's just sort of all aligned in in ways just organically. So, so thank you for all the work that you do and for anyone listening, check out Dustin's stuff. It's excellent. It's already rad. I think what I'll do, I normally put classical music as the outro, but I think for this show, I'll do a little clip from y'all's cover. Oh, I uh, so love that. that. Yeah. So that people can get a little listen to it. And then uh, if, if on Twitter or what have you, if y'all follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll put the link to the video and all that. Cause it's, it's super fun and it's rad. And especially hearing how y'all did it. Uh, it's just, it's so appropriate for the subject matter. So uh, kudos to you, gold rings on you. I, I think it's uh, so rad and, and I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all of the process and and chatting with us and sharing a little bit about veganism. We snuck it in after about yeah. an hour in. So people got to yeah, finish it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So, oh, wow. Thank you so much for all the, the kind words you just said. That was, uh, that was really nice. I'm very flattered. Um, and yeah, thanks again for, for having me and, give me the time the airtime on your show like I, re, I really appreciate it
1: man. i'd like to thank dustin once again for sharing his time with us talking about his inspirations behind such a cool cover track it's really fun and as we kick off spooky season what better way to do so than but talking about passionate project and last week we had uh, lana talking about her short films and this week we have dustin talking about his inspiration for doing this music video and cover and I, I, I've i said it before. I'm sure this is an old hat now for you all listening. Uh, I'm a big fan of indie art and indie projects, and I love supporting that stuff because it's kind of my roots. And also, I, I really do think some of the best art comes uh, not from the studios but from the people. And uh, so cool to have someone as talented as Dustin share a little bit of his inspiration and story behind this little homage to something that he loved growing up, you know, a little creepy a creepy song, creepy music video, um, and and they did such an excellent job with it. So thank you again to Dustin, the man from Alphabet. And also, if you're making a spooky season playlist, I would urge you to put Dustin's song on there because I think it's uh, perfectly fitting. And again, you get to support indie artists who are, who are making a living, working class folks, who are making a living doing art. And the more we support those folks, the more opportunities the rest of us will have to be able to make... A living doing the art that we love so support dustin support the man from alphabet um i thank you all for supporting this podcast the labor of love you know if you enjoy it uh, and you tune in every week like subscribe share it you know i can only i can only market it so much but if if you folks uh, enjoy this and think that other people will enjoy this please you know share it you know pass it along to someone you know retweet a link uh, if you if you happen to come across it Whatever you do, it's much appreciated on my end. So, thank you all very much. And, like I mentioned at the intro, I'm going to leave us with a little bit of the cover song the, from the theme from Killer Clowns from Outer Space by the man from Alphabet. So, enjoy. Uh, have a wonderful evening. Uh, enjoy the beginning of spooky season. And, as always, gold rings on you all.